This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Action. I think we were thinking about strange, intimate, personal things that you would only really know if you were to live with someone. And the idea of David wetting the bed was something that we thought was really funny and something that would really break down that barrier real fast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to EW On Set. I'm Shana Naomi Crockmall. And I'm Patrick Gomez. But this is a companion piece to the sixth and final season of Schitt's Creek that's never going to get easy to say. <laughs> we are here every week, bright and early Wednesday morning after a new episode airs, with recaps, exclusive on-set interviews with the cast. You are going to hear from so many incredible people that were involved in this episode, 602, which was written by Dan Levy and directed by Jordan Canning. We're going to talk to Dan. We're going to talk to Annie Murphy. We're going to talk to Emily Hampshire. We're going to talk to Sarah Levy. Come on this journey with us. So we open with a crisis. That's wet. There's wet in the bed. What? Yeah. What did you spill? I didn't spill anything. What? Are you bleeding? What? No. What is it? Nothing. Is it you? What happened? Nothing. David wet the bed. It, this open, cold open. <laughs> oh my God. Full meltdown. It's so unexpected and terrifying. I mean, Patrick is always like the Patrick, right? Like my wife and I have a running joke. Sometimes one of us will do something. We'll be like, are you being the David right now? Are you being the Patrick? I imagine this would be more difficult for you and your husband. <laughs> what with you being literally the Patrick? You know, I, but more so are in a relationship, the I'm Patrick? the David. You're the David. Yes. I'm usually kind of the David too. But I feel like we both have our, we're both kind of both. But Patrick, the Patrick is like the most loving, supportive, like you truly like, I mean, I feel like even given the opportunity to like have a little fun with this and he just like walks up to that line of just like, oh, I can tell you're not in a mood to make fun, make a joke about this. He's but I also trying... like how serious he, I mean, it's yeah, like you yeah. get that little insight into Patrick that like he's not holding it against David, but also is very eager to wash everything and of course get his mattress cover. Yes. He's like, I'm going to help you. And also this was an expensive mattress. David takes like seven showers at least. Comes out with that turban. That turban moment is incredible. I love it. We talked to Dan Levy about this episode and about this storyline. We have a big um, bedwetting moment for, for <laughs> yes, David. Yes, we do. Yeah. Where did that story come from? Are you afraid that people now are going to think that that is from your personal life? I, um, <laughs> no, let's hope not. Uh, I have never wet the bed, actually. I say that as an adult, not remembering most of my childhood, sure. but... You feel um, like you would, you would know. Someone would have told you. Yeah. I think we were thinking about strange, intimate, personal things that you would only really know if you were to live with someone. And the idea of David wetting the bed was something that we thought was really funny and physical and, and incredibly intimate and something that he had kept from Patrick and... Um, something that would really break down that barrier real fast in terms of, okay, now we're engaged and these are the kinds of things we're going to be learning about each other. 
the minutiae, if you will. So, uh, yeah, we committed to the bedwetting and it was very fun to play. Dan is not the only person we spoke to uh, about this scene. We actually got Sarah Levy, his sister, who plays Twyla on the show, um, to give us a little inside scoop on what it's like to have Dan as a brother. We are here with Sarah Levy to talk Hi. about Shit's Creek. So excited. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. <laughs> okay, let's talk about, in 602, David wets the bed. Yes. And that is obviously the... <laughs> The, <laughs> the beginning a of daisy. a nighttime yes. oopsie yes. daisy. This is a show that is so much about these two siblings yeah. who give each other so much grief, yeah. love each other, yes. like protect each other like so fiercely, but also are deeply devoted to trolling each other. Oh yeah, so hard. Oh yeah. But as Dan's actual sister, I feel like we have to ask you, like. Do you, in general, have any embarrassing stories about Dan you want to share oh or anything God. you want to say about the kinds of things that me. siblings <laughs> need to, like, or just your dreams? What would you like to see him have to act out on screen in an embarrassing way? I mean, wetting the bed's pretty good. Um, that, I, I, I can confirm as far as I know that he has not wet the bed. Um, Such a good sister. Having I back. can confirm that. Um, but gosh, some embarrassing things. You know, I have to say that I'm. He's not afraid to put himself in those situations in writing. So I. I wish I had a little more kind of dirt on some embarrassing situations. How much of David is Dan? Okay, so David is a ten. 11, 12, 13, and Daniel is a three or four, but their sense of humor is exactly the same. Like the, the sense of humor that David has is something that I've been living with with Daniel for my entire life. And I have, I've said this for years. I've had ex-boyfriends get mad at me for it because he is the funniest person I know and have ever known and he he's always made us laugh so the fact that Shit's Creek has come on the air and everyone's saying oh my god your brother's so funny and for me I've no, I've known that all along so I've kind of become desensitized to these quips and like snippy moments that he has on screen with Alexis and all the because they're all things that I've grown up with but that all to say is that, yes, he did bring a lot of that really strange, unique sense of humor to the character. But as his character, it's like crazy heightened. I love that we've spent so much time talking about the first like, <laughs> it took us two this long minutes, to get out of it. But it's such an amazing scene. It, you know, I, I'm on some uh, Facebook groups about Schitt's Creek and they love discussing those opening scenes. Of course. Because they're so perfect because they tell us so much about the characters. They're not just like cold opens from like an, some other sitcoms that might have something that's not related to anything at all that's just really funny. These are really funny, but also give us so much insight into these characters. And this one obviously sets up this whole storyline for the whole, uh, for the whole um, episode, um, which intertwines with Moira and Alexis's storyline. I just got off the phone with the PR people from Interflix. They're making the announcement about the Crows movie at noon, so they've requested that you do a social media takeover. But don't worry, I will handle it. I love all of Moira talking about the internet is every bit of that is amazing. And I do feel this sounds 
like a weird humble brag, but while we were sitting around at the creek that we were at for 601, and we were waiting, um, they were resetting one of the scenes and we were sitting around with Catherine O'Hara and she took my phone out of my hand and fixed the settings on it so that it wouldn't use so much cell service since we were like out in the middle of nowhere in Canada. And on international plans. Yes, she was quite insistent. And she yes, actually she did like- to both of our phones. Yeah, she really knew what she was doing and she was like, no, 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 let me show you. So it was extra funny because this is one of those, I mean, Moira and Catherine are not alike at all, Although, right? In, Although, Although, she does now use the word bebe. Um, yes. We were there with one of the publicists uh, on the show who had just had a child, and she literally walks up and she goes, oh my God, how's the bebe? Like, it's literally Catherine O'Hara's normal voice. She just throws in these Moira-isms that now are just a part. She told us, she's like, yes. now they're just a part of me. Yes. Um, so she can only say the word bebe now, even yes. behind the scenes. So the moment Alexis takes an eye off her, Moira has been talking to her internet Brands, as she calls um, them, and they have taught her how to live stream because she's not even really supposed to be doing this. She goes to see David and Patrick at the, the show store. A promotion. I thought it was like very fun and like yeah. interesting. She's like, if you're wondering what this is, it's my son's store. Like, exactly. great. Exactly. We get them exactly. some internet online orders. It seems great, except when it becomes clear that there's something going on between the two of them, and David is not excited to be on the internet, and he is not excited for maybe even her to be there. She puts the phone down. We later learn that. She she just assumes that she set the phone down, but in reality, this is, continues to live stream throughout. David's nocturnal aneurysis used to only happen when he went to bed or juiced up with excited anticipation about something. Christmas, birthdays, the Ides of March. And now it seems your impending nuptials has opened the floodgates. Oh, why am I oddly flattered? I can't imagine. They head over to the Jazzical rehearsals and um, Alexis shows up and tells her mom that she has now shared this story about the nighttime oopsie daisies with the entire world um, and everyone is seeing it and they have to tell Patrick. My mom may have accidentally posted your little conversation from this morning over social media, but don't worry, I am involved now and I will be taking it down. It's still up and generating a lot of traction. I just love the moment where she's like, yep, doing it right now, and she's not even looking at the screen. <laughs> she's, she's just, just tapping, slapping her slapping hand, her hand on, on it. Yes. Uh, but I think it's it's really interesting because there's that side where she's being immature, but there's also the side where she's being so mature by taking on this new role as her mom's publicist. Yes. Um, and we're not the only ones that think that was pretty cool. We actually talked to Annie Murphy about Alexis's career and working with her mom and all of that. So let's take a listen to that. A lot of Alexis's growth is becoming a businesswoman. And one of the big steps she takes in this uh, season is becoming Moira's publicist. And that starts off with the social media takeover mm -hmm. uh, in the second episode. So how important is that for her to take those early steps that we see in those, in those early episodes? Well, working for her mother is actually the biggest job Alexis has ever had. <laughs> and I think she only needs one client. She only needs one client. And what a client it is. She can probably only stand one client at that point. <laughs> yeah, if it's that client, there's only room for one. But even though it's Moira, it's her mom, I think Alexis, the, the relationship that she has with Moira is still, it's still a little anxiety making. Like they've found this respect and love for each other, but there's still a little bit of, you know, butterfly um, anxiety going on with that. So I think it was a really big and special request that Moira asked her to work for her. So Alexis needed to kind of bring it in a big way with the, the social media takeover. Yeah, with Alexis, there's always, there are always a few setbacks along the way, but 
I think those are what kind of keep her driven and motivated. And she always seems to double down and make things better, even out of the chaos. So that was really fun to play. We'll be right back with more EW on set. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back. Okay, so there are some other business moves that happen in this episode. Johnny and Roland take Stevie to see a motel that's for sale. They have decided that maybe they want to expand the business. The Rosebud Motel could become a franchise. It could become a chain, right? And Which Stevie's like not that into initially. No, partly because they've sort of misled her into what they're doing and why they're there. Also, Roland has thought that it was an open house or that they've made an appointment to see this property, but it's actually a funeral. A show. He thought they're supposed to be there for a showing. Yes, it's a viewing. Roland is always good for miscommunication. <laughs> and they talk to the widow who inexplicably thinks they're the feds because there's also some sort of shadiness going on. He had a poker ring. He had a poker ring. But it turns out she knew Stevie's aunt, so it's super helpful that Stevie's there. Stevie's aunt who left her the motel. Um, So there's some chance that this might work. I love that there's a nice little um, throwback to how much Johnny loves to just have like funeral food, um, which is a nice callback to the one where uh, Moira sings, oh, Danny boy, and he's just there like trying to eat all the egg salad sandwiches. It leads us eventually to this really heartfelt moment between Johnny and Stevie about why she's reluctant to kind of invest further in this motel. Doing cabaret made me feel like I should push myself. And so I just wondered, you know, maybe there's something more out there for me. Well, what are you saying? You want out? No. I don't know. I just... I feel like I'd regret it if I didn't at least try to see what's out there. Which is a really interesting bookend to the scene that we saw um, in an earlier season where she's worried that Johnny's going to leave mm-hmm. and she's worried like that she's going to have to do the business on her own. In my head, it's almost like this kind of do-over where it's like Alexis never came to him maybe and said as directly as Stevie might in that moment, like, I think maybe I want to do something else in my life and it has an impact on you, but also like I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to think about it. But I feel like for Johnny, this is this moment for him to like be the best dad possible. Anyway, I, I love their relationship. I feel like it's such a beautiful moment. And we had a great conversation with Emily Hampshire about Stevie's journey this season and all of the evolution that she's gone through. Stevie has a big moment at the beginning of the season. Uh, I guess just walk us through where her head is at as in like the first couple episodes where she's like, you know what? I, I can't be here. I can't be here. Yeah. So, I mean, well, last season was so monumental, I think, for Stevie. I mean, if you would have said to Stevie and me, season one, that you're going to be um, playing Sally Bowles in Cabaret, which was like my personal dream, um, but as Stevie, which made it even better because I could... I didn't have to be good. Um, you were good. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> can't let that like, go unchecked. But well, carry on. Thank you. Okay. But you know, usually I find when you take away the pressure to be good, I feel like 
people are better. Well, at least me, if I don't have the pressure on me and can be like, try anything. Oh, like that bunny from Zootopia. I love that bunny. <laughs> Sorry, that was so, I just love that bunny. That bunny tries everything. Yeah. Um, You're so, the bunny. Anyways, um, but yeah, so she does something. She steps out of her comfort zone beyond, beyond the, the desk. Um, and I think after that, like, I also imagined we end the show on on the first opening night of Cabaret. But, you know, like the show goes on and that's like two weeks, let's say. And I just am starting this season. I imagined what that would be like for Stevie to every day have a show to put on. And I know myself that when you do that, you start to live in this bubble and this world that um, the rules of the outside world don't apply and the stresses of like things like mail and uh, garbage and stuff like uh, people who come to my house don't understand why I can't do anything. But it's because I'm in this world right now for too long a time. But um, anyways, I so I, I imagine she could kind of really get into that and especially with um Moira and Stevie is always I don't think she would admit this but in need of a family and that's such I mean a play a movie of anything like that you're in a family environment um so I think ending that is kind of like you would you get postpartum depression like you totally go, well, I can't go back to my old life because I'm changed. I'm a different person now. And it's weird, like even just as I'm talking about this, it it is kind of how I feel anytime I do a, a project or a, a movie or like this, you know, it's been continuing, but we're ending now. And you are a different person from when you started because of not, well, for me, at least I feel like the characters I play always give me something that I can take into my life and be better. And so you can't go back to like not knowing that thing and not having lived that life. Um, so I feel like there's something about Stevie also living, but not, I don't think she really went like full method into it, but like being free to live Sally Bowles's life and somebody else's life outside of her small world. So at the beginning of this season, I feel like she has this feeling that she can't go back to where she was before and has to do more and seemingly bigger things. After doing Cabaret, she might see her job as something that's like just not that important or meaningful or like anything big. Um, and I think she suddenly has that feeling of like she needs to do something more. Okay, so that gets us to the end, which is such a, I mentioned the word bookend already this episode, but such a great bookend um, where we end up back in bed with yes. Patrick and David. Patrick is like making sure that David has not seen anything on social media today. They're keeping him off. And to make him feel more comfortable. If we're gonna be married, I just think it's important that we be as open and honest mm -hmm. with each other as we possibly can. What is this sexy thing? I only put this in when you're not around. It's my mouth guard. Oh. Oh. There's nothing really embarrassing about that. Also, you look very beautiful. Oh, thank you. 
How about that? My God. This is my nose thing, and it just helps me breathe better. Of course, it gets interrupted because uh, David gets a text from Ronnie. Love Ronnie. that Ronnie's trying Ronnie, to stir, that trouble up, starter. stir up things. Ronnie's texting me a link to something. Okay, put it away, David. It's bedtime. Oh, he's so adorable in that moment. Do you think David will ever see it? I would imagine that Patrick keeps David distracted long enough <laughs> to go into his phone and delete it, and David is flighty enough that he doesn't remember. I hope so. So that brings us to uh, the end of our recap, and we're going to end this as the way we always do, and by always I mean uh, in the twice. first episode, so twice now. Um, we are going to go through a few of our favorite moments uh, in, yes. this, in this episode. Um, the first one being um, the favorite Rose Family celebrity name drop. Why don't you go first, Shana? Ashley Tisdale. It reminds me of the Nickelodeon pilot I did in which Ashley Tisdale and I played suffragettes. Mm -hmm. You remember, you go girl. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, done, this is mine too. There's <laughs> no like other right answer. I feel like it actually might be the only one. Maybe, but Maybe even, we should have it, a just it overshadows any other one if it was even there. Okay, what is your favorite Moira Rose dialogue? I mean, I wanna watch this movie about her and Ashley Tisdale being suffragettes. That's amazing, but my Favorite, favorite Moira line from this episode is when uh, Alexis says, they want you to do a social media takeover. And Moira responds, takeover, that sounds hostile. It's I love perfect. That. How about yours? Um, I think keeping with my theme of last week of Moira can always use 10 words when she only needs three is, to all of you asking, what is this little mercantile establishment with the almost gallery-like austerity? Well, it so happens it's also owned by my son, David Rose, say hi, David. Okay, I would rather not, thanks. Our next item on the list is um, the moment that made us laugh the hardest and the moments that made us cry the hardest. So why don't we start, why don't we, last time we did it the other way around, but I want to end on a happy note, so why don't we start with emotional? <laughs> Which one okay. made you the most emotional? I think it's Johnny talking with Stevie. Well, if that's what you feel you need to push yourself, Stevie, I, I uh, certainly am not gonna stand in your way. That being said, I'm not going to pretend that I don't hope you'll come back. Either way, I hope you find what you're looking for. Mr. Rose, thank you. There's no hesitation, there's no guilt trip, there's nothing, there's just like, you know, I support you, like, this is a, it's important for you as a person to go pursue things like this. What about you? I mean, I think it was the end, the end with Patrick and David in bed together, just like, that was such a real, relationship. Okay, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Real yeah. relationship moment, I think, yeah. really insightful in their dynamic. The bookend of that is the funniest moment to me is that cold open. It's fine. It's not fine. Nothing about that is fine. Do we have to file for divorce if we were never married? We are not getting divorced. Yet. I need to see if I can get the stain out of my sheets first. Okay, does that window open? Because I'm about to jump out of it. I love a vaudevillian sort of like cheap slapsticky physical comedy moment and so the when he turns and has like the nose clip on like it's just it's so dumb and it's so so funny and see i love that that my most touching emotional moment was your funniest <laughs> it's moment it's because that's what this show is amazing at doing is putting together the emotion with the laughter for now thank you everyone so much for listening we will be back next week, every week on Wednesdays. We'll have more exclusive on-set interviews, more um, insight into this sixth and final season of Schitt's Creek. You can find me on social at, at Shana Naomi. And I'm at Patrick Gomez LA. 
Uh, but also remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you to everyone who, especially with our binge podcast, like helped make sure other fans found this. We're fans of this show. We're here to help bring you into this amazing experience that we've gotten to have. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been EW On Set.